Hello and welcome to the Geeks Danny Boyle Retrospective Podcast, where our UK team will be looking through the entire cinematic work of director Danny Boyle in chronological order, from his 1995 debut Shallow Grave to this year's Trainspotting 2. We'll have a new podcast up every Wednesday and every Saturday leading up to the US release of T2 on March the 17th. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout, and Geeks and Tessellate do not represent any of the companies or creative talents involved with any of these films. This podcast is 100% unofficial and independent. Geeks! Geeks! Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's just getting creepier every time. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of our Geeks Danny Boyle Retrospective Specials as we walk our way through Danny Boyle, the director's entire career from his 1995 debut Shallow Grave all the way up until T2 Train Spotting sequel, which is coming out March the 17th, I want to say, in America. Yep, March 17th. Okay. So every Wednesday, every Saturday, we will uh, have a new film up. From Danny Boyle, we're at number eight, as I just said. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me today for the entire series of films is Dead Space. How you <laughs> Apparently, that's my name. Yeah, I was just confused. If you want to say her name, she says your name, and then yep. don't. You. Well, you just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Thing no one over. would notice. No. <laughs> yep. <so. laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Joining me today. And Allison Holland. And a very special guest. I'm so special. Katie Watson. Hey, Katie, how you doing? Ooh, and Bruce. And, and Bruce, the inflatable shark. The shark. Herb. 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 That is a Herb. good name. No He's one a can. Herbivore. Yep. <laughs> we don't have video versions of this podcast, so sadly, no one can well, see our I'm shark. I'm sitting next to an inflated shark. Yep. I like his grimace. He looks, he's very happy mm. to be here. I think he's blind. So he's one of the he's one of the the main remnants from my birthday party he last did, week, yeah. and he's doing well. We still have the well. chicken hats. We do have a Aww. lot of chicken hats. <laughs> we'll probably maybe we'll wear them on next week's uh, regular podcast. Make our party sound very interesting. Yep. Edible <laughs> <laughs> sharks, chicken hats. <laughs> the hooker is dead though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Watson, before we start getting into Danny Boyle movies, you're on probably just this will probably be your only appearance on this um yep. franchise people might know your voice from regular podcasts and they might know you from the just running and just wrapping up friday the 13th, oh, yeah, 13th. i know series. i miss it i want to do it again one more. you want to do it? all right let's do it again not that well <laughs> <Friday the 13th laughs> again? i think i'll have the same opinions but we can have a crack at it i had to listen to them when i was editing them it did actually make me want to rewatch a whole bunch they are again. really good which was kind of the point of me doing it was like that's the last time i have to watch all the friday the 13th movies yeah. and now i know which are my three or four favorites but it just makes me want to watch all the stupid shit movies again. Yeah, but at least now you know which ones have your favorite stupid parts in them, and then now you can just go back and watch those. Or that's true. You know, and which ones had the best kills? Which ones had the big mask? Which ones Such had the most amount kills. of nipples? Oh, yeah. Which was all in our roundup. Yeah. So if you want to hear about that, I think the roundup is actually going up. It's the next one, um, and then after that, a Nightmare okay. on Elm Street is going to kick off, which is yeah, just I just didn't me watch and Alex. Those. Yeah, just me and Alex on that. I don't support pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> good question. Very good question. <laughs> I I don't have an answer. To that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it the voice of reason, Alison Holland. Haruka, pay you. Haruka, that was just out of line. Haruka. It's a Katie. Yes. Danny Boyle. Yes. Um, just so people get an idea, people who have been following us hopefully already know 
uh, what my feelings are, what Hook's feelings are, what Alison's feelings are. How are, you, how are you with Danny Boyle? How many of his films have you seen? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Um, I'm trying to think now. It's been a, the ones that I have seen, it has been a very long time since I've seen them. Like, I've seen The Beach. I've seen, um, obviously, Train Spotting, the original. Um, 28 Days Later, but I have a mixed relationship with that. I need to go back and watch it. And yeah, that's, I have a short list of films I've seen. I haven't seen Sunshine. Um, I knew one of the producers for Millions, but I haven't actually seen it. Uh, oh, and I've seen Steve Jobs. Okay. So Steve Jobs would have been, no. Okay. Um, Steve Jobs would have been the most recent one I've seen. So what Besides, was, obviously, the one we just watched. Well, um, yeah. And have you enjoyed most of the movies? I, I yeah. know that, yeah, you really didn't like 28 Days Later when you saw it, but it might have been the wrong but time in your life. it was when I was, I was not really familiar with horror films. And mm-hmm. so I really think that going back, I would appreciate a lot more about it. So it's one that I'm anxious to revisit since it's, I know it's like a lot of people who I know love horror. It's one of their favorites. So. Yeah. It's definitely been one of our collective yeah. favorites so far mm. on the show. Um, so what's your favorite other ones that you've seen? Um, probably The Beach. Okay. Okay. I really, really have always liked that film. Yep. So. Do you ever read the book of The Beach? No. Okay. Um, so, here we are. His eighth cinematic movie, as we have to keep saying, because he did those couple of TV movies that we skipped over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire came out in 2008, runs at two hours long. It's directed by Danny Boyle, of course, but also Loveline Tandan. Um, who is credited here on IMDb. Did anyone notice a credit there in the end credits of the movie? Like, up up with him? I didn't notice it. No. Mm. She's know. down here on IMDb um, as an assisting director. Uh, it's her normal job. She also does casting a lot. Um, she has never had a credit as a director for anything other than this. Um, mm-hmm. I feel she's obviously someone who helped a lot with production, probably mm-hmm. helped in directing the India um, side of stuff, because it has it down here as Conan for India. Right. And potentially he you know it's a nice guy and wanted to give her a proper directing credit mm-hmm. for it um, which i'm sure she earned right written by simon bufoy i never know, know how to pronounce his name he's, he's a bufoy yeah he's uh the writer of the full monty um he's also the writer of this is not a love song miss Pettigrew lives for a day he went on to write at 127 hours for danny boyle he also did salmon fishing in the yemen uh and the hunger games catching fire that was the second one, wasn't it? Catching yeah. Fire, yes. Yeah, yeah right. that was my favourite Hunger Games. Um, and he wrote Everest as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're all mixed bag of movies. Mm. Um, but I did read an interview with Danny Boyle when he said, you know, uh, he wasn't interested in this movie. They they pitched it to him and they mentioned it's about who wants to be a millionaire. And he said, why the fuck would I want to make a movie about who wants to be a millionaire? And then he saw who it was written by. And so he read it um, basically out of respect to Simon and thought maybe he could just put some notes on it for him or something like that. But by t- page 20, he said he was in. Oh, patient. That's cool. 20 minutes into the film, so... Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we can work out what it was that happened. <laughs> 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 yeah. He was just really into seeing children being blinded. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing that got him in. The first 20 minutes. I know, I know. Um, what happened to Herb? <laughs> the subject. Uh, <laughs> um, starring Dev Patel. Um, uh Oh man, these are not in order. So great, thank you. Frido Pinto. Um, I sh- God damn your IMDb. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Uh, oh boy. Who wants to do these names? They're the two that I know well. 
the rest police <laughs> inspector Irfan Khan yeah, who we know very I've well but I never know how to pronounce his name um, Azaruddin Mohammed Ismail Ayush Maish Kedaka wow. you should just stop <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying damn it I want to try <laughs> Um, but it doesn't help when they don't put them in the order. Sorry, that's my bad. I should have arranged them first. Um, so, Haruka, yes. you and I have famously said on this podcast a few times before that we were big Danny Boyle fans. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got to this, which is inarguably his biggest film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It won um, loads of Oscars, didn't it? Yeah. So, to clarify, this film, it won nine Oscars, wow. I think, uh, more than any other film that year when, mm-hmm. when it was up. Um, it made by far the most amount of money any film he's made. Uh, its domestic total gross was $141 million. Wow. From a $15 million uh, production. Uh, it's including foreign, that's $378 nearly million dollars, uh, wow. that it pulled. Which is colossal compared to his other movies. Um, for instance, uh, 28 Days Later, which previously was his biggest budget uh, but before this and since this. It made $45 million against an $8 million budget. So that did 5.6 times its budget slump, which is way more important how much money it made, obviously, is what's the return. Uh, Slumdog did 9.4 times its budget, and that's just at the box office, not even including DVD and Blu-ray and wow. all that jazz. And then stuff like Train Spotting made 4.7, and then you look at stuff like The Beach, uh, actually came under its budget um, went in, in gross. It still made $40 million, but it cost $50 million to make that film, mm. probably because Leo had just done Titanic at that point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, made tons of money, won loads of Oscars. Danny Boyle was back in the limelight again, particularly after Sunshine, which completely bombed. That made no money. It made like $3 million, I mm-hmm. think, overall. Um, we've, yeah, we've both famously said this was the film that kind of, I want to say upset us, got mm-hmm. the one humor, but yep. it kind of left us out of taste in our mouth a little bit. We didn't mm-hmm. feel it was very Danny Boyle. Exactly. We like to leave our full opinions on these films till the end of the mm-hmm. podcast, but sure. I'm just interested, like... Like coming back into this, mm-hmm. did did you have like fresh eyes come back into this? Uh, yeah, I did. I think. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I went in with open arms. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I want to feel differently about this movie. Yeah. I've only seen it once before, mm-hmm. and it was two thousand eight, so that was yep. ne- nearly ten years ago now. Was the Holy last time I saw fuck. this movie. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> this wow. is the game we play. Basically, every time we watch a movie, and then I say when it was made, and Haruka <laughs> just goes, "Fuck, <laughs> 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 my life is slipping away." One Danny Boyle movie at a time. <laughs> Well, it's one of those films, like, it talks about a time, I think, that you distinctly remember where you were mm-hmm. and what was going on in your life. And so I think it's one of those that as you get older, you're just like, fuck, that was yesterday. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Now I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> a little sad. So you've seen this movie before, Katie? Watch I've seen it maybe twice before in my whole life. Oh. Okay. And did you like it in your previous viewings? Um... All right. I was okay about it. <laughs> <laughs> I take it or leave it sort of thing. Okay. I thought the premise was interesting. It's been a while since but you then, watched it. Yeah. Okay. And Ali, this was previous to starting this podcast, the only Danny Boyle film you had seen. Correct. And you had favorable impressions of it at the time, didn't you? Yep. Okay. I cool. saw it with my mom, which this is very much a Laurie Holland movie. Um, which coincidentally is your mother's name. Yes. Oh, that worked out nicely. Weird. Um, and I used to to dance to Jai-Ho with my sisters all the time. <laughs> <laughs> how does, which one's the that? The Pussycat Dolls version. The one that they have at the end. I'm fine. Um, how's it going? Nope. <laughs> not going to happen. There's really only two Damn words it. in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the only ones I know. 
Um, yeah, so how? All right, let's get straight into that then, because you guys have been going on. Well, particularly for you, you've been going on about being a great running song. Yep, it is. Very and despite energetic. that you didn't really like this film ten years ago, you did mm-hmm. like that song. You'd run to it a lot. Well, I didn't like it when it was a big hit, but then like I listened to it a few years later because I think I was searching for good running songs, and this one came up, and I was like, actually, yeah. It's a good workout yeah. song. Cause I was just trying it around the flat while it played in the background, and I found it too flat. slow. Well, <laughs> Way uh, too slow. When I say running, I mean on cross trainers. It's okay. slightly different to like jogging. Yeah, like I'm a long jog. cross. Yeah. I find I find it really disjointed that song. I don't like really? when, and I don't want to skip to the end of this film yet because we'll get to it. But when it kicks in at the end, it for me it doesn't seem exuberant enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What they're doing at the end, it seems actually pretty dragging. Because mm-hmm. um, they're not really moving around. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Anyway. Let's warm up. <laughs> so let's start off with a synopsis. Today we're going to go, it looks like a much more coherent. We like Ooh. to pick random synopsis that people have written on IMDb. Oh, some of them are really shit. Some of them there very was one funny. that was super wrong. It was completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. was incorrect. This one's looking pretty good. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire is the story of Jamal Malik, who is played by Patel, an 18-year-old orphan from the slums of Mumbai. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> First <laughs> stumbling block. <laughs> Uh, he's an orphan from well, when it well, he becomes an orphan. Yeah, is yeah. that eighteen-year-old orphan? <laughs> well, we start with him uh, when he's like uh, nine, isn't that something like that? Or oh, seven, even. Yeah. Well, he's good. Anyway, he's an orphan from the slums of Mumbai okay. who is about to experience the biggest day of his life with the whole nation watching. He's just one question away. Oh, I see. It's starting at the yeah. end. Right, okay, he's just okay. one question away from winning a staggering twenty million rupees on India's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But when the show breaks for the night, police arrest him on suspicion of cheating. How could a street kid know so much? Desperate to prove his innocence, Jamel tells the story of his life in the slum where he and his brother grew up, of their adventures together on the road, of vicious encounters with local gans, and of Latika, who's played by Pinto, the girl he loved and lost. Each chapter of his story reveals the key to the answer to one of the game show's questions. Each chapter of Jamal's increasingly layered story reveals where he learned the answers to the show's seemingly impossible quizzes, but one question remains a mystery. What is this young man with no apparent desire for riches really doing on the game show? When the new day dawns and Jamal returns to answer the final question, the inspector and 60 million viewers are about to find out. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, so the key thing here, which returning to it now for me is still the most interesting thing about this film, is the structure of it. Um, so we should mention, of course, that it's based upon a book, mm. uh, which is written by... Where is it? Da, 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 da. So, uh, sorry, Vikas Swarup. Um, and on IMDb has only written one other thing, which is Six Sucks Suspects, which is coming out in 2018. Six Sucks Suspects. Six Suspects. <laughs> but it wasn't called Slumdog Millionaire. No, it was called Q&A. Yeah. Or Q mm-hmm. ampersand A. For its full also title. Also known as and. Um, for me, that's the big thing that really stands out with this film above everything else is its structure. Like, it has a really fascinating structure of you, you kick off the movie immediately with him being tortured having got through to yeah, the second to last question and who wants to be a millionaire mm-hmm. and you immediately get little tidbits and flashbacks to things from his life um, like w- what seems to be the key point for him when he sees her standing on the train station looking at him and smiling and then it quickly gives you the framework of yeah going into a question on the on the quiz and then where that relates to some point in his life if it does like so there are a couple which don't so it's not completely you know over the top ridiculous they're all kind of believable strings i feel but i guess mm-hmm. we'll get into whether you guys find that believable or not um but it's an interesting structure for a movie mm. it's certainly not a traditional beginning middle end yeah. um 
and it's a cool gimmick I think um, and it definitely feels like a novel kind of gimmick mm, yeah. you can imagine each chapter I haven't read the book so I don't know if it's framed that way but I could imagine each chapter mm-hmm. yeah, being a different element of his life and how that relates yeah. and it works really well with um, Danny Ball's style of editing as well because he always had that kind of like jumpy um, intercutting mm-hmm. style but it works really well yeah this film yeah this is definitely the most I think he plays with time mm. in a film isn't it like com- constantly jumping around um, all, all the time yeah um do you like it, Katie? Do you like the structure? Yeah, I thought it was good. It gets a little bit boring, I guess. I don't know. Well, not boring is the wrong word, but it Repetitive. gets, uh, yeah, mm. a little bit monotonous because yeah. you, once you get used to that, it's it's not as exciting anymore mm-hmm. for me. Because you know each question you're going to go into a yeah, flashback. Yeah, exactly. I did like, they switched it up, I think, twice where you got kind of the storyline and then it kind of bled into the question a little bit more. So you cut, that was, yeah. refreshing because if they would have just been like chunky with it and you know question life question life mm-hmm. it would have yeah they give you the answer sometimes before you know that you've right. been given the answer kind yeah. of thing yeah, exactly um yeah my only problem with it is that uh, i have problems with films that basically live their life in flashbacks because we are starting sure we don't know if he gets the last question right or wrong and i guess that is the thing that you're there for is what, how is it going to turn out in the end? Yeah. So they don't give everything away at least, but you do know going for all the questions, well, you know he's going to get them all right. And they play mm-hmm. a lot on the, you know, is it right, is it wrong, what's he going to do? And it's yeah. like, well, we already know because you've started by telling us he got all the way to the second question. But it, it does give you a little bit of a question still by the end though because you, you A, know that money doesn't mean anything to him. And yeah. B, with spoilers, like you know that by the end that he's going to get the girl. Mm-hmm. and that money doesn't mean anything to him so it's this thing of you know is he still going to answer it or is the answer still going to be right and what will that do for him well, but yeah. you don't know he's going to get the girl after you see her being taken away mm-hmm. from the you do the before flesh. he answers the question at the very end though oh mm. at that point right. I thought you meant mm. just from the flashback of her smiling at the oh station. no I just meant at the very very end yeah. since mm-hmm. he like, doesn't the know phone. the answer or whatever right. so mm-hmm. right. Um, okay, so before we go into the in-depth synopsis and we'll work for it um, in chronological order like as we like to do, um, I do find it interesting that it's yet another Danny Boyle film that's essentially about treasure. Like it's another like After Shallow Grave and Trainspotting Millions all being literally about money and the opportunities that can give you. And then The Beach is really about that as well. It's about something that's unobtainable and you know, you, once you get given that, how it can destroy your life. Mm. I find it interesting that this one seems to be about it's a very similar theme obviously objectively it's about money but he doesn't care about the money right. but what the, that opportunity then gives him to reach mm. out to her um, at the end yeah. only he gets something positive out of it rather than something negative which every other film I feel really Danny Ball's done maybe Millions was an exception to that mm, yeah. but always tends to show negative things come from these big yeah. opportunities yeah. whereas this one seemed to do the opposite it was like life is shit but he manages to like get something yeah, good. Yeah, but everyone else is trying to work against him so that he doesn't get the money. That's so. true. Do you think he's the most? Because um, he's he's. And yeah, we'll increasingly get into this, but for me, he's probably other than the kid in millions. He's the purest Danny Boyle character. Like, there's no edge to him at yeah. all. He's mm-hmm. just a good guy the entire time yeah. to quite an unbelievable degree, and you know. Well, that's how we felt about the kid in millions. Is there yeah. was no arc. He was just nice and polite and. He just just passed the right decisions mm. the whole time. Yeah, which I find very very fascinating. And I didn't really think about it the first time I saw this movie, but now I'm watching it. Just like yeah, he's just there, and people do stuff around him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really make any 
decisions yeah, for the yeah. majority of the movie, like other than to keep looking for her the whole time. And that's about it. True. Uh, but all right, but let's work through it. So as normal, we're going to be using um, the Wikipedia. That's the music. We'll get to that later. Here we go. Um, 18-year-old Jamal Malik, an Indian Muslim from the Juhu slum. Juhu slum? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get all these words wrong, all right? <laughs> is a contestant on the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and is one question away from the grand prize. However, before the 20 million, which in US, if people are wondering, is $300,000, uh, question, he is detained and tortured by the police. Not really a millionaire. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well he is an in Indian India. millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Who suspects him of cheating because of the impossibility of a simple slum dog with very little education knowing all the answers. So Jamal recounts through flashbacks incidents in his life which provided him with each answer. Um, so I do like right away at the beginning here, because um, we start with a shot of him in 2016, he gets hit. We then get uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire set up saying he's one question away from winning. Um, and then it comes up with the ABCD of is it because he's cheating? Is it because he's lucky? I've forgotten what the third one is. And then the fourth one is it because it's written. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is a very Danny Boyle way to open, I feel, mm. to like just be that bold and yeah. talking to the audience. Yep. Um, and then we get immediate, yeah, like we said, flashback to, to the Latika by the train looking at him. Because he's a genius. That was the other one. Oh, is it because uh. he's a genius? Like, um, and then we cut to him as a little kid as he's starting to recount um, or at least think of these stories at that mm -hmm. point. I didn't start with a, with a monologue. No. So. <laughs> no no monologue with this no voiceover. No voiceover in Sunshine. No voiceover. Nope. It seems to but have... Start start sunshine with. started with a voiceover. Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Sorry. So, My apologies, yeah. It did start with... This isn't the first one that starts with a clip of something that you know happens later on in the movie and you slowly work your way up to it, which some of his other films you don't realize that it's something that happens later on and then you figure it out. Mm -hmm. With this one, it feels, yeah. Yeah, this um, one's pretty clear. But. And then you get, um, yeah, because then it cuts straight to him as a kid mm. in the slums and they're immediately calling his name just to make sure you immediately understand <laughs> what it is. Um, and you get the title on the T-shirt, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is cool. I like that. The first Danny Boyle film that didn't have a yeah um, title on bottom the... Bottom right corner. Bottom right corner. Did yeah. Sunshine? But Sunshine had the, the middle, left. doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, it was in the middle. He's starting yeah. to play around now, I feel. He's in his, he must be in, yeah, he's in his 50s by this point. So Probably. You know. Um, so how are you guys with the beginning of this movie? Does it immediately, does it grab you in? Does it bring, like, for me, it's like a live action Aladdin, the opening of this mm. movie with the kids right. running for Racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's Why>? <laughs> <laughs> Not enough magic carpets for you. <laughs> Jeez. That's how it feels like getting chased down these little streets and stuff, and you yeah. got the two kids yeah. like being rascals and they're yeah. being playful while also and there's of course some immediate element of fear, and chaos, yeah. but also playfulness about it all. One's um, a slum dog, the other one's a street rat. Yep, uh, exactly. Yeah. But you also, it's interesting that the very first shot that you get of him is him not accomplishing things. Like he's an immediate kind of low totem sort of kid. He doesn't make the catch on this ball, and then his brother yells at him immediately and hits him. And, like, that is a picture perfect. Mm -hmm. It just reiterated that relationship yeah. throughout the entire film. Mm. Yeah, so immediately saying, oh, he's the underdog. Of he's the, the one that's always, he's like, means well, messes up. Yeah. Most of the time, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, always and dropping the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Jamal. Damn it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, d- I was, I was, I was liking the beginning of the movie more than I remembered. Mm. Like in the beginning of the movie, to be honest, I like the high energy of it. It had yeah. this sunshine, like we said, was him doing somber, mm-hmm. which he hadn't really done before. But this one, he seemed back to the Danny Boyle. Yeah. Lots of running, lots yeah, of music, yes. lots of fast cuts. Yeah. Um, lo- loving the use of of his um, breaking up the frame rate mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm. And like it starts right at the beginning, even where they're drowning him in the bucket, and yeah. the frame rate's all fucked up whenever mm-hmm, you see him mm-hmm. underwater. Um, and yeah, and it felt like Danny Boyle having fun again, mm. which, which um, yeah, was kind of nice to yeah. see. Um, so then we get Jamal's flashbacks, at which they begin with him managing at age five to obtain the autograph of Bollywood star Amit. Oh, I fuck it. Like, I'm not even going to attempt. Uh, do you want to do them? Where is it? This one. Bachan. Ooh. Because he was going, Amit Bachan, Amit Bachan. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, where his brother, which his brother Salim then sells, followed immediately by the death of his mother during the Bombay riots. Um, so we're given a lot of information very, very quickly. We get a lot of humor very, very quickly. Okay, I'm diving into poop. Yep. While I was eating my Indian meal. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. No, I was, yeah, I saw it coming. Clean. I was like, I'm not going to Yeah, I remember that part was like, I think I'll put my plate down yeah. for about seven minutes. We decided minutes. to order <laughs> Indian food tonight to Yay. be themed with the movie. You're and welcome. you all finished up long before me and I'm fucking sitting there <laughs> looking at my... I still my had a plate. <laughs> But oh. I remembered it happening, so I set it down. Your face was great, though. Wait a little bit. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, but that's kind of, yeah, like the kind of fun of this film is it does manage to pair something comedic like that with something then horrendous mm. immediately afterwards um, with the riots that are going on. Mm. Also, not the first time he's had someone diving into a toilet. Yeah, that's true. He does tend to like people. He does actually quite like his toilet humor. He does yep. it in yep. quite a few films here and there. Um. How do you guys, uh, with the riot, how do we see his, his mother dying? He gets they hit her with a bat. Mm. Oh, face, okay. Yes, 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 of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get, uh, what is it? Yeah, them talking to the police van. Well, not even talking. Like, they run up to the open police van and then all the police are sitting in the back of the I van. I thought that was such a great scene. Laughing. Mm. Um, and then she they tell the kids amazing. to piss off and you just see the riots behind them with a man on fire, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like, running. Yeah. Well, um do you so you what this all worked you liked all this stuff? i thought it was i thought it was very interesting and succinct storytelling i thought it was an interesting way that something that if you drew it out it could get um it, i mean obviously those can be a story all in their own um and so you had to you had to take just enough of it that it attributed to the story he was already trying to tell and without getting too cheesy about you know the kids losing their mother because to them that's all that they would really remember is that like everything happened really fast and then they were running Mm -hmm. and i think that that was great and then just to see the reaction of the policemen of it where they realized in that moment that they were on their own Mm -hmm. so i thought it was really great i liked the moment that they flashed back to present well present ish day because it's still technically early on before he goes back for the second night but he says I wake up every day wishing I didn't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Mm. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the first time, because basically they're trying to get across so much information in this movie. A lot happens in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because I was making notes, I think I said this last time, but even even more so this time, I made very few notes because so much happens. Yeah. But weirdly, there wasn't much I had to say about it. Mm Mm-hmm. and that was the first point where it's like, there's so much information and I agree with you in that they get it across very well and very elegantly um, for the most part in the movie. 
but because they're trying to get so much across, I do find it sometimes it's pushing it a little bit hard. Like that shot for me of them talking to the policeman in the van and then the riots happening and then the guy on fire behind them, it's beautiful and it tells you everything you need. And mm. I think it's really cool because I don't know how else you could do that that well in such a short span of time. But it also seems a little bit just too heightened for me in terms of mm. it's not just the policemen are ignoring it it's not just the policemen are opening the doors of their station it's that they're actually there with the doors of the van open they're right next to it no one's writing like no one's including them in the battle or anything they're laughing they tell the kids to piss off and there's a guy actually on fire behind it like it's so i don't want to say over the top but it's so much that i'm just kind of uh, and there's a lot of bits in this movie where i just feel like everything's just a, just turned up a, like one notch mm. too much for me but yeah i don't know how else you would do it for the amount of information they're trying to get across kind right. of thing. um i thought the only thing that maybe was too over the top in that scene was the rom kid rama rom is that the god or whatever right because yeah, you yeah, have yeah. hindu mm. versus muslim essentially is yeah. the battle mm-hmm. and then for him to know that i it was kind of just this weird fantastic apparition mm-hmm. you know and for it i think that was where i started to have an issue with just like everything was just too perfectly mm-hmm. set up and i thought it would have been you know you could have had it to where it was like someone was waving a flag that had an image of it or mm-hmm. somebody had like they were planting a statue and knocked over you know something mm-hmm. that was more muslim and like replaced it with a statue of this god yeah um i just thought the kid was just such a weird thing because no one else in these riot they were all just like dressed normally with bats i didn't think that it had the forethought to be like let's paint this kid blue and make him just yeah. stand eerily in a <laughs> hallway a yeah. right and stand like the statue and freak the children out but i think that is a good point because like the danny because one of the things that i like and sometimes don't like but i always embrace with danny Boyle is he likes the surrealist mm-hmm. imagery mm. but the problem well, not a problem but the thing with this film is exactly like with that scene he does surrealist imagery but he plays it literal in mm-hmm. this film always like it's never kind of oh that's a weird editing effect or oh right. that's a weird special effect or whatever strange surreal is it in the head or not it's always very literal in this film um and that's yeah one of them for me where it's just kind of yeah i'm, I'm kind of with you and it's such a thin line right to tread mm. and i kind of love it but at the same time it's just kind of not quite working for me mm-hmm. right um because i do think that there's definitely like i think the energy of the camera work and the music is very danny Boyle in this mm-hmm. film for sure yeah but there's much less risky, weird camera effects yeah. and editing effects and, you know, things like that. Like, there's no fucking oil painting field that they're driving mm. through, like, a 28 yeah. days later that just makes it, what the hell is going on? It's very, very sleek and, yeah. 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 It's a very polished, polished movie. Yeah. But Sunshine was a very That's polished true, movie. And this true. definitely is more Danny Ball than Sunshine, I feel, in yeah. terms of how yeah. it's directed. True. Um, so then after the riot, uh, as they flee the riot, they meet Latika, a girl from their slum. Salim is reluctant to take her in, but Jamal suggests that she could be the third musketeer, a character from the Alexander Dumas novels, The Three Musketeers, which they have been studying, albeit not very diligently in school, <laughs> whose name they do not know. The three are found by Maman, Maman, is that you pronounce I think so. a gangster who tricks and then trains street children into becoming beggars. When Salim discovers Maman is blinding the children in order to make them more effective beggars, he flees with Jamal and Latika to a departing train. Latika. Latika, sorry. Uh, Latika fails to board the train as Salim purposely lets go of her hand, thus resulting in her being recaptured by Maman. Um, Literally 
creepy bunch of scenes. And this is definitely the bit, you're bouncing back and forth a lot. This is definitely the bit where the movie settles, I feel, yeah. um, for me. Mm. You kind of like feel it start to get more embedded in the story it's trying to tell. Yeah. And you really can't tell where it's going. Yeah. I couldn't anyway. Like, I appreciate we've all seen it before, but I've forgotten most of it. And I remembered bad things happened, but I couldn't remember what was going to happen to mm. the kids. And obviously it looks like grooming as well, so you're not really sure what's going to... I just remembered his brother being shitty. Yeah. <laughs> really, the whole time. I was like, oh yeah, his brother is a dick in this film. He's really yeah. well cast in all three oh, iterations. Yeah. He's True. just, just like... want to punch him all the time. <laughs> yeah. Even when he's little, he's yeah. going to wring his neck. The older version of him looks like Bruno Mars. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh. I saw that, but he looks. He has the same hair. Well. No, the curly hair, yeah. the lips. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's really funny. There was a. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I should be like noticing it, but there was a child nudity. Was it? When yeah. the the brother was like. They put chili in oh, his like. Yeah. Did you see anything? Yeah. Mm, well, we saw his. But you see the no, you see, he runs past the camera and it's full frontal. Yeah, is it? it's for like kind the of briefest sh- yeah. Of you don't really see the details because it's all like it's really fast. Yeah, and it's dark as well. But yeah, I was quite surprised. Oh. Yeah. You used to get that stuff a lot, like in European films. Really? Right. Yeah, loads of times. Yeah, oh. all the time with stuff. Yeah, like that. we usually Al and I will. Well, not shout out. That sounds weird. But if something <laughs> were like tits hey! or boobs or something, and I was about to be like penis, and I was like, that's inappropriate. <laughs> um yeah yeah creepy scenes um particularly yeah i think the first time you're watching this movie is creepy because for me and this is another thing and i will say at the end when i get into my wrap-up but i've kind of find some elements hard to judge with this movie particularly when i'm saying things are heightened or over the top because i don't know like i really don't know enough about the culture or the world or what really goes on and i've read enough interviews with annie boyle um about this film to realize a lot of it is you know very 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 based in reality and even the level of torture that you said is like you know if you've just done a basic crime there and they don't like you they'll take you away and torture you to this you know, to exactly how they do to that level um, in the film so i give it the benefit of doubt with everything but it's hard for me to judge not having really enough information about the culture myself when there's a bunch of stuff which feels like oh he just seems a bit too much like a bad guy and yeah that kid in the blue just seems a little bit too coincidental and this just seems a little bit too much mm. but that was another one of the things where i mean I, that one no sorry i was gonna say that's one of the ones we've seen just more believable to me of like them going around with their bottles of coca-cola and like mm-hmm. getting the oh, kids yeah. to follow them and yeah come to their place where they're like oh they must be saints because they're letting they're them eat food us, mm-hmm. yeah. which is, makes it even more creepy um i didn't i, did, I must have blinked though for a second because i didn't get him purposely um, not letting letica get on the train Oh, right, so okay. I missed that. The brother. Yeah. Salim. Uh, over the next few years, Salim and Jamal make a living traveling on top of trains, selling goods, picking pockets, working as dishwashers, and pretending to be tour guides at the Taj Mahal, uh, where they also steal people's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, which they is definitely. start speaking English. Yeah. Which is one of the official languages in India, I think. With very posh accents yeah. on the part of Jamal. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, which isn't unbelievable that they would at that point because they're in tourist places suddenly but that they do cat they like i don't again i don't know the culture would they have Mm -mm. been taught english as kids i doubt it in the slum but i don't know in the slum yeah i don't know but anyway sorry carry on no 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 be right um but it is interesting as well because this film has subtitles and he he deals with them in quite a stylized way as well they're almost like speech bubbles they kind of pop up in different places around the screen 
with that kind of I don't know what you call it where you put that grayed out box yeah, around like it. highlighting it different mm. to make sure you can read it colors, colors mm-hmm. right? yeah. yeah I think so slight just yeah. slight shades like of different colors uh-huh. navy I think there was a yellow one yeah, yeah. which was a very dangerous thing to do yeah but yeah then it's mostly abandoned for English from here on out um, and definitely I think one of the funniest montages in the film mm-hmm. where you get them on the train stuff I heard you laughing a lot when they're upside down stealing the yeah, yeah. <laughs> his hand I love that down. scene it's so cute <laughs> it's cute him holding it with a string yeah cute that was funny um okay sorry I was looking at my notes now I have to edit this <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say more, so I was looking at my No, I, no, but interestingly, with the scene where they're, they're watching the opera or whatever, the oh, play, yeah. and they're stealing stuff out of the people's purses, I, I don't know what, I've never had, I've never been robbed, I've never been mugged, nothing, and for some reason, that has always been one of, like, in cinemas or in anywhere there's a dark room and you put your purse, or whatever, on the floor, mm-hmm. I'm always very conscious of, like, putting two feet on either side of it or like knowing exactly where it is or understanding that like unless somebody reached back behind me or in front of me where I could see them do it I they wouldn't be able to get not that I have all that much money either like I don't know what I'm not worried about but it's so funny when I see films like that I'm like no I just feel like I would be that tourist if I went to India where I was like no they'll steal from you great I'm just gonna be that person so Again, that's what I mean. It's hard when you're not embedded in that culture. I know. Enough. You don't have enough experience to really know it. You're just going on what they're telling you. Well, I mean, I right. know about like the kids will come running up to the cars and, you know, the offer to do things or, you know, the faking being blind or missing an eye or something like that. All I've heard mm-hmm. on veritable accounts from people, but it's just hard to attribute that constantly to yeah. them. But I also understand it based on their position that it's like that's all they thought about was the money but they didn't think of it like that it was more just like that was the what they did yeah you know exactly you're just surviving Mm -hmm. i do i do like that energy with the film is kind of and that's why they set it up i think right at the beginning of them not giving a shit about the police because like well once you don't fear the police anymore what threat is there in your life really you know um so Jamal's uh, insistence, they return to Mumbai to try to find Latika, discovering that she is being raised by Maman to be a prostitute to fetch him soon a high price as a virgin. The brothers, brothers rescue her, and while escaping, escaping, <laughs> oh, what's well, a tough right? <laughs> and while escaping, Salim uh, shoots Maman to death. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. So you're supposed to hold the pillow over the front of the gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why did he hold it around it? What is that? I think all that would actually do is... It's usually like a silencer. Yeah, Yeah, you do it as a silencer. I think holding it on the top would actually... I don't don't know enough, but I think it would make it catch fire. Because that's where the chamber comes out of, and that's where the spark... I don't know. Mm. I was confused. Well, maybe it was to show how, like... He sees, he knows these things from, like, movies, but not correctly. I think I know some information, but I might not be doing it right. Maybe. I, I want to know with the rest of you at what point because for me this is the point where the movie really finds its heart which is once he decides to come back and try and find Latika um, up until that point Latika <laughs> in England we said Latika I'm picturing that um, because up until this point I just feel it's it's been a series of sort of vignettes and a series of just you know little stylish montages of mm-hmm. their life which i found 
you know entertaining or distressing and i'm along for the ride but i don't really feel a purpose yet and it's only once they're separated and then a whole bunch of time goes by until he decides he wants he's definitely got to go find her and convince his brother to come with him Mm -hmm. that's for me the first point where i get oh okay this is really what the movie is about it's about his love for this girl right and it's quite a ways into the movie it's about 45 minutes or something um into the movie if not longer before Mm -hmm. you get that real central theme because i know it was there beforehand but i don't know like that's what i want to know did with you guys were you getting that earlier because i really i got that they clearly you know liked each other a lot I didn't get it was going to be like, that's the movie, is their relationship. Well, they constantly flash back to that image of her smiling. Yeah. yeah. About, wearing a yellow dress and then... Like, yeah. worrying about her to the to Salim and saying, you know, what about her? Can she come in here? We need to save her. We need to go back for her. So it doesn't come right out and say it, I don't think, necessarily, but I think it's hinted at. Yeah. Enough mm, I agree. Okay. Because you know that from the flashback when she's wearing a very distinctive yellow dress and the first time we see Latika as a child she's also wearing a yellow dress so you kind of know instantly that that's her and Mm -hmm. all that so I think they do set it up um, quite early on that she's gonna be a constant thing yeah so yeah right yeah no I got yeah like I got it you just didn't realise it was gonna be that I mean, Much. I did kind of seen the movie before, but like right. I was thinking about this time as I was watching, I was kind of waiting. Like I got obviously they're the same person. I know that she's a big deal. I couldn't remember how much like that. She is really it. Like she's everything to him and the only thing. And obviously as kids, I don't know, maybe they don't want to make it that big of a deal to him as a kid. Because I don't feel like he's obsessed with her as a kid or anything like that. It's more once they're separated, he seems to become obsessed with her, right. which I'm fine with. But I was just kind of, it just occurred to me like 45 minutes for me was just a long time to get to really what we're talking about which is yeah like him trying to find her and then the rest of the movie pretty much is always him trying to find her and then she gets out of his grasp and he's trying to rescue her and she gets out of his grasp Mm. and constantly trying to save her from the situations that he sort of puts her in again and again um yeah okay yeah no no problem that's cool well he was kind of a a one-trick pony he was very focused Mm. and his brother had the focus of money and all of that and then his focus was her always yeah yeah so i mean it's like mario just kept running to the yeah. castle and he'd get there <laughs> and then she'd be he's taken away again and he'd run vision. to the next castle yeah. and she'd taken away again yeah. <laughs> then he gets to the end it's like i don't know what to do with you <laughs> <laughs> well she was experienced by the end <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Oh. Well, <laughs> harsh reality cherry was a prostitute name wasn't yep. it? yeah she was yeah yeah but she was a virgin she at was that a virgin point. at that point yeah <laughs> And then she was, was prune. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You'd be a great pimp. Uh, <clears throat> so then that's really Salim. He has, um, you know, his arc really happens here where he changes personality because he's actually killed someone, albeit for good intentions for once. Because um, he doesn't seem to, well, no, he does. He asks him for money, actually, doesn't he? Yes, he does, yeah. yeah. So you're he never really sure if his it. intention is more there for the money. But then he doesn't pick it up. It's actually Latika that picks it up. Yeah. I think you mean Latika? <laughs> um, You're going to mess me up. <laughs> <laughs> so Salim then manages to get a job with Javid. Javid? Javid? Maman's rival crime lord. Oh, <laughs> right. Spelled oh, yeah, J-A-V-E-D. The J-A-V-E-D. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back of the room, Salim orders Jamel to leave him, and uh, now I can't do it. Latika. 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 <laughs> when Jamal Jamal ah oh, refuses, Jamal. shut up. 
I quit. I'm just going home right this now. This is the whole reason Danny Boyle made this film. He's like, it's going to mess everyone up. No one's going to be able to talk about it. Uh, Salim throws a gun on him, whereas Latika persuades Jamal to obey his brother and go away. <laughs> and then they just disappear. Which we now again? Did I blink or did we? Is there a, like a scene clearly cut from this? Because you get them talking later. If you went back and there were no notes and you didn't get any messages and blah blah blah, but they just seem to skip on from that to they they've gone. Cut to um, from the moment he, um, Jamal leaves the hotel to the police investigation. Yeah, scene, right. And then you come back and he's a T boy. Yeah. Yeah. So you never yeah, get him going back to that room. You never get him looking for them. No. You never get which the. To me, that was a bit that I needed. That I was a bit was that weird. I thought was strange. Of like, what? Because he come back to me as a T-boy. I was like, just because his brother wanted to have sex, I guess? No, like, you know, he don't says you get the scene of him and his brother talking before you get him as a T-boy? No. No, because no, the policeman asks him, did you ever see them again? And he said, if I had, I wouldn't be here right now. But he was yeah. talking about the like gangster guys. Oh. But you definitely don't see. You definitely don't see that what no happens once he leaves that room and his brother says, "You know, no. just not visually, go." No. And she tells him to leave. Because he does see the brother and the girl again. I know, before. but that's why I was also confused. Oh, I didn't. But he I does. But there's a was big. Talking about whatever his name is, his guys. No, but there's a big period of time from him leaving that room, and then we cut to way later. Like the next time, yeah. we, like we, he sees them or we see yeah, him, like, it's way five later. or six years yeah. later. Yeah. He turns into Dev Patel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> On his way to working in the new. And I don't think that his character would have left the building. No, I they were in a huge no. building, and it's like yeah. I, I understand that you're upset, but I think he would have like waited for them downstairs yeah. or something. Yeah, because yeah, later true. on his brother's like, "Oh, we were chased out by you know." Yeah, the, he said the, the mass men been, were yeah. after us, and he's mm. like, "We left a note for you at blah blah blah," and he's like, "There yeah. was no note." Mm-hmm. But you didn't see any of that. But yeah, no. I agree. He would not leave. He would like wait. Yeah. And then yeah. he'd go back in and then they'd right. argue yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Before it cuts, he's like knocking on the door saying like, so yeah. he open the door. So yeah, true. You don't see him like walking away from that. Yeah. Right. yeah. I felt just, and you could, I felt you could do it even room. in two shots or something. Like even yeah. like just really show him walking away, which I still wouldn't have believed, but at least we would see that kind of thing. True. Or showing him just coming back in and they've gone. Yeah. Or something like that. And he or then him like, making her leave while he's asleep like he's fallen mm-hmm. asleep waiting for them or something and they yeah leave. right yeah yeah well they're just walking past something. him in the hallway asleep like waiting yeah yeah very true that's um, all it would have taken but regardless years later jamal now a t-boy in an indian call center searches the center's database um for his brother and latika he fails in finding her what well, but succeeds in finding salim who is now a high-ranking lieutenant in yaved's crime organization uh, Jamal reapproaches Salim, who then pleads for forgiveness and offers him to stay in his luxurious apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal later bluffs. I didn't find that very believable either, because he makes it clear that he doesn't know where Latika is. Mm-hmm. Latika, sorry. Um, and no, but then he's like, "Go hang right out in my time. apartment." Did I? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but then he tells him to just go hang out in his apartment, and then he cut, and he's just like, "Yeah, all right." Yeah, but I think he knew that his brother was lying. Right. Because he was just like, oh, yeah, man, she's gone. Like, he just tried to, like, blow it off. Blow it off and mm-hmm. I think that he just wanted to make sure. Because uh, his brother's been so trustworthy up to this point. Yeah, <laughs> he's, a good, he's a nice guy. Um, <laughs> did he have to sit so close to the edge of that building? <laughs> it terrified oh, me. that's nice. <laughs> terrified me. Um, Jamal later bluffs his way into Javed's. I think it was Havid. 
Yeah. Have it. Is that it? Uh, Residents reunite with Latika, but as he professes his love for her, she asks him to forget all about her. Nevertheless, he promises to wait for her every day at five o'clock at the VT station. Yep. Now, having now seen the VT station <laughs> in this film, I would have picked somewhere quieter. <laughs> where there wouldn't have been the chance to miss her <laughs> amidst the thousands and millions yeah, of people. Yeah, that's why she wore yellow. Oh, True. Yeah. But he didn't specify which platform. Yeah. It's a big station. And it fucks up because then she does turn up. And we have no idea. Do we get a signifier if this is the first day, the seventh day, the hundredth day? No. 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 You just see him there. So we have no idea how many or times we've been waiting. could be the next day. Yeah. The same night. Yeah. Could be. Um, and then she, because he doesn't give her good information, like which, yeah, platform mm-hmm. to meet on, she then sees him. She gives her the award-winning smile. He then runs after her because the, they've all all the gangsters that come. Well, to like he's get like her shouting at her, going like, yeah. "Oh, Latika, Latika!" And yep. then like the guy finds her, and yeah. And then yeah. his brother as well is one of them. And then they capture and stuff her in a car, and they cut her right there, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They cut her to cross her cheek to like scar her. Um, and if he would just met somewhere quieter, they would have been fine. <laughs> I agree. True. Or, or been on the same platform, and they could have been on a, a train that exactly. was already moving. Exactly. Not good forward thinking. Mm-mm. That's the problem no, with this kid. Details. He's a simple boy. Yeah. Tunnel vision. Planning people. To Mario. <laughs> what? <laughs> he does. He's Mario. Then the princess gets taken away yeah. again. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> but without that, he has nothing. So, you know, there's no game to play. I know. Because it's another thing with this movie. It's like, it does take him, that very first time with the kids, it takes him a long time. Like, they're doing all this dealing, they're washing dishes, they're being tourists. And then suddenly he's just like, we have to go find that girl. <laughs> and then, yeah, like we said, he just walks off on them, apparently having sex. And then years later, it's like, I have to find her again. And yeah. he just seems to Maybe sporadically forget like about her for five years. Memory <laughs> like finding Dory or something. Yeah, we are talking just like, about Sand Nemo. is squishy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had a girlfriend. <laughs> I should go find Not her. Even. Not even. It was like, oh, I saw a girl once. Yeah. It's basically she talked to me. <laughs> we were musketeers. <laughs> whose name I can't What was her name? Remember. She wasn't that special. We to really so <laughs> She wore she yellow. <laughs> I like yellow. <laughs> sand is yellow. Sand is really <laughs> I love sand. And this Shit. is the weird thing with his character because, yeah, he's so nice and he's so lovely and it's Dev Patel who... I love Dev Patel. Like, yeah, I can watch great. him in almost anything. I really love him particularly just because of the newsroom. Yeah. Um, but he's so clueless in this movie. Like, there's a couple of points when she does shut him out of... Um, that gangster, what is it? I forgot his name. Something like that. That one. And she says, like, don't bother, like, and he says, I'm going to wait for you. Just has this look on his face. You're like, I wouldn't go with him because he's clearly (laughs) going to get you killed. Like, he clearly has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) And he just, and even when he's been asked the questions on who wants to be a millionaire, he zones out on every single one. (laughs) He's just there looking like he's having a breakdown. I know, but can you imagine if you're like, actually watching that show? Memory. You'd be like, what happened? Someone's in the doctor. Oh, yeah, with no context. You're like, this dude is just... They don't comment on it, though. They only comment when he gets a little snarky. But at the beginning, I would have been like, who the fuck is this kid? Where did we get this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's awful. Um, but anyway, yes. So she does meet him at the train station. Yeah. Well, She yeah. does get recaptured again. Yeah. She does get a big scar put on her face. Um, where are we at? Maybe Sorry. she saw his face. That's why she told him to go away. Then she thought better of it, and then she's like, "Now I got my face cut because I followed you. Yeah, <laughs> you waited for me. Well, this yeah, is how point, it turned out." You think out. it'd be a bit awkward turning up? 
here again. Yeah. Um, she says she's moved uh, away to another house outside Mumbai and the two lose contact yet again. Jamal becomes a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Which uh, happens very quickly, I'd like to point out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> happens basically well, less knows, than a week. He knows, was it a janitor who knows the secret way? Do you know way how many weeks yeah, it takes that you dial before on. you're actually put on that show? And you, you have pre-quizzes. They don't just like put you in mm. and be like, you know the alphabet, right? <laughs> like, Great. They, they pre-quiz you. To be fair, we don't, again, time is very, we have no idea time in this film, how long passes between Mm. scenes. So it's very, they kind of get away with a lot, I feel. But knowing that she watches the show regularly, he gets on, much to the consternation of Prem Kumar, the show's host. Uh, Jamal becomes a wander across India. He uses the 50-50 lifeline on the penultimate question. Okay, so before we get to that. Um, Actually, before we get to that, do we have any notes before we get to that? I don't think I do. I didn't under. I wrote this down, and now I can't remember oh. what the question was. But I didn't understand why he asked the audience for the second question. Because he, he, he didn't know, and he, and he said it was something everybody would know, or whatever, didn't he? So then he asked the audience. I can't remember what my issue was with this. It was something where, yeah, it seemed laughable that he couldn't deduce this. Because it was like the state mo- or the country. Well, that's flag. what the guys were saying. When yeah, they but even the question. audience was laughing at the other options, and it was like, yeah, money is the ultimate happiness. Tie or cheat, lying yeah. is the yeah, ultimate yeah, yeah. one. And it was like, or. But I think that's the whole point. Is. is to show he's he is very simple in many ways, right. but I certain guess. things in his life are just for a religious reason or a spiritual reason have just presented him with the information he needed to get through, and he had just the right amount of lifelines to use. I don't remember what my question was. Mm. It was something to do with fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something to do with the fat guy in the police station. Uh-huh. There's a conversation that they had, and I didn't understand what transgressed. And now I can't. I'm, I'm very helpful. Is it what? Because he, the two officers are they officers? Yeah. The two guys I hope that so. are. I don't know <laughs> what they are, but that are questioning him say why wouldn't you know this everybody knows this and then he kind of challenges them. That's what it was. Yeah, with yeah, like yeah. A oh yeah. Story, and he was like yeah. well. I think the whole point of that for me was him saying, "Why don't well, you know maybe this?" Maybe for you and everyone you know, I know what I you know. You think everybody knows this, but the world that I come from, everybody knows the answer to this question. You mm. don't know that answer. Yeah. Okay. And I love that the police officer seems to know about someone's bike has been stolen. Yeah. Mm. That's something you'd really He's like, know. How do you know about that? And he was like, "Everybody knows that." Everybody knows <laughs> who stole his bike. <laughs> Shit. Almost wanted this. Crap. Um. So yeah, so this is something I find weird, and this might be genuine, but I'm just kind of really interested if with because I don't know how they shoot Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but because uh, you have the interesting thing, which I've only just realized this time is kind of strange. You get you know they'll say, hey, you've won this amount of money, you're gonna go for the next question. They don't say, are you in or out before seeing the question. You get to see the question before they say, are you in or out, which is pretty nice of them. On they that don't show, do that in honest. the American one. They're not. I do remember they did it on the UK one. Um, but what's weirder is they do it on this one for the last question and then they let him sorry second to last second question to last. and then they let him go on a toilet break i have the same thing after down. knowing what the question is that is, is a very good and then point. allow him to speak to other people yeah in yeah. the same room as the guy who knows the answer well but he tries to fuck him up i understand yeah, but it seems but that purely, shouldn't have ever happened yeah, i want to know do they do that other. And who wants to be a millionaire? Because it seems purely fabricated yeah. to set up what they need yeah. to mm. to show the host is a real fucker. Or yeah, in Danny yeah. Boyle's actual words, a cunt. 
uh, before you <laughs> call them in the interview I read. The person or the actor? Or like the, the character? I don't, the character I, think I don't know, because he said it about, he said like the host of The Indian Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Is, is, that, ego, is that the actual ego host? Maniac, ego maniac and a cunt. But I presume he's talking about the character, not the real life yeah, guy. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I hope so. Is that, that guy isn't the actual Indian host, is he? Well, if he, I mean... I guess not. Otherwise, Daniel Ball wouldn't say that stuff in interviews about the real life host who he managed to get in his film. <laughs> Plus, he's screaming stuff like, this is my show, and slamming doors, which I don't really... Like I, and we'll get to him in, in two seconds. Okay. But, yeah. So, just yeah. to clarify, I don't, that was weird to yeah. me. Yeah. Like, mm. like I didn't find that believable at all. Yeah. Um, so, then he feeds him the answer by writing it on the mirror in the bathroom. Uh, but it's the wrong answer. Um uh, and then has a yeah, he has a very 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 obvious reaction to it when Jamal decides to go for D rather than mm-hmm. being just like but you could go for B and Are he's you like sure it's, it's like he's sure it's like no I'm not Australian but guy like, well, who's really it's good <laughs> <laughs> and he says it like three times which if yeah. you're people in the audience are like wait a second <laughs> what's um, it's like they took the same bathroom break and stopped each other in the bathroom. Writing messages in the condensation. <laughs> um, but what, what, what the fuck is the deal with the host of this show? I appreciate they need another baddie for some reason in this movie mm-hmm. because because they feel like the police officers. He's won over with his endearing story of love. Um, and then you've got the gangsters they killed the first one then you've got the second one who's still looking for them so he's like the, the main baddie is the one who's got his girlfriend basically but I don't get why the host has to be such an asshole because he's all upset because it's meant to be his show and again this could just be a culture thing in India I don't know between the classes of where he's at and where, where mm-hmm. like the slums are and he says the only success story on this show is me kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah. but then you know I don't know enough it's about like him I don't know if he's based on a real person mm-hmm. you don't learn do we learn did I miss something do we learn about him and his struggles and how he no. became no. that's why I asked what, like is that the actual host I don't know. because I was like well maybe that's his real story and he's like I'm a dick and I'm gonna be a dick on this movie and in real life because he gets all upset <laughs> like it's my show and it's like it yeah yeah and it's yeah. doing really well right now <laughs> yeah. to a ridiculous Lots degree everybody's yeah. watching this so yeah. i didn't really understand yeah. why why we needed him to be so i could get him being like a little bit irksome or something but why he has to be like purposely trying to fuck him up yeah um again it was just another thing for me i was like it's just a little bit everything just turned up a little bit too cartoonish. i think it was just ah. that he had to always feel in control and he felt out of control of that situation or we could use the magical power of google oh so I just Googled Indian who wants to be a millionaire. And it says the first thing that comes up um, it's from BuzzFeed, I think, quote from BuzzFeed is Korn Banega Repati, hosted by Bollywood veteran Amitabh Bachchan, is the oh. Indian version of the television game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So apparently in real life, Amitabh Bachchan is the host in on um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So what, so now I'm really confused then. So is he playing yeah, a cart like is he playing himself? Did they manage to convince or is he playing a pastiche of himself? Does he think yeah, it's funny? I think maybe that's what it is. Is that you know, they wanted the story and that just fitted the stereotype that they needed. Is he maybe proud of it? It's one of those things where to everyone else is like, obviously you're an arsehole, but he thinks that's great to be portrayed that way. Maybe that's not who he really is, because but he Danny thought Ball, he was playing a part. Because okay. then Danny Boyle called him an egomaniac or cunt. Because <laughs> he could have been saying in real life. Wikipedia. 
Yeah. Director Danny Ball's 2008 film Slumdog Millionaire was based on the show and featured the show's host actor Amitabh Bachchan in a cameo appearance. This is a Wikipedia page on the Indian Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Uh, not Indian, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, featured the show's host actor Amitabh Bachchan in a cameo appearance. The show's host, based loosely on Bachchan, was portrayed by Anil Kapoor. Okay. Kapoor himself has appeared on the celebrity version of the show. So where was he cameoed in it? Huh? Where did he cameo? He was the guy who was signing aut- the autograph. Oh. oh, right. So yeah, he's yeah. the actual... Oh, okay, so he's okay, the actual okay. host on the actual... Yeah, but then Danny Boyle is still talking about somebody who was in his movie. And he's portraying him... And portraying him very badly. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So that means in that interview, he really meant that then. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. And Amitabh Bachchan actually agreed to like... Yeah. Some people do... Some yeah. cultures do like, are like, yeah. Yeah, I'm whatever. I I've made TV. loads of money and I'm an no asshole. That's great. It's true. All right. There you go. Especially after how much movie money this movie made. Yeah. Your mouth doesn't fall for that shit. Who's laughing now? <laughs> he answers D, gets the correct answer. And that's when he gets taken out the back and bag thrown over his head and chucked away. And yep. one of the producers comes with, hey, what's happening? Like, yeah. I tried to feed him an answer. You tried to feed him an answer. <laughs> what? What's the wrong one? An he wouldn't eat it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I wrote it in the mirror of the bathroom in the steam. I'm just going to go and hit <laughs> no this door No one will now. know it was me. <laughs> uh, so assuming he is indeed cheating, the police are involved. And after initial beating up, the police inspector listens to his explanation of how he reached an answer. Finding all of them, quote, bizarrely plausible, he allows him back on to the show. So I guess it's a good time to deal with the other big thing. Because there's a lot of little leaps of faith there. How do you all buy into his relationship with the police officer, him getting won over by the story, entrenched in the story, ignoring all of the crimes that are happening that day to listen to <laughs> yeah. the story. Well, but um, it's the fat, the fatter guy who is the one being... The total dick. Which yeah. the one, then the one in the blue eventually kicks him out. And he yeah. doesn't really show up again. The chief that. seems like a and he very sensible nice. guy. He was the one who gave the order the for around. him to be tortured. It completely starts the other way around. Like the fat guy's being actually like sympathetic. And it's kind of like, well, I knew that. So he could know that kind of thing. And was backing him up on a few things. And in my head, I'm like, why? Like, don't be cheeky to that guy. Because he's your one guy in the room who's kind of helping you. And then he's a little yeah, snarky says, to him. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then he calls, like, his girlfriend, you know, whatever, like, the bitch of the slums or something. Yeah, or slum hole. Yeah, something derogatory. And then, yeah, they get in a fight. And then he, then the police inspector sends him away. And then from that, starts to soften up massively. Like, yeah. there's a huge mm. lead just starts to soften up. But at the beginning, he's the one who's, like, put electrodes on him. Like, why are you torturing him too much when we're going to get found out? And we're going to have, like, what, you know, people coming in and accusing us of human rights and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. he thought he was going to kill him. That's what the, he's like. We're not. Yeah, killing but he's him. not doing it because he doesn't want to kill him. He's like, oh god, we're gonna have people like coming in here, human rights and stuff, and blah blah blah. Yeah. He's a complete asshole right at the beginning, mm. and he softens up within yeah. one scene, completely. Oh, maybe his blood sugar was low. I <laughs> <laughs> brought him he lunch, and he was like, chat. all right. He doesn't get his lunch. The guy never comes back again. Yeah, That's he does. True. He brings him tea. Oh, does he? That's yeah. true. Is that his lunch? You see, well, drinking it. Yeah. I would complain about that. If I said, I sent you for fucking lunch. Don't bring me tea. Well, well, he did ask for chai as well. Too. Yeah, he yeah, like, chai. bring me food and chai. And chai. Because, you know, obviously. Just the chai is enough. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I actually really like their relationship. And I think it's completely... It's really hard because you want to say it's completely believable that he'd believe him. 
was like, of course it is, because it's ridiculous that you wouldn't believe him yeah. and that you would take him away and torture him to begin with. But apparently mm. they do do this stuff. So I find the police inspector's character unbelievable when you look at it objectively, of where he starts at the beginning and where he ends at the end, considering the end is actually probably about four hours later, if that. Um, but right. yeah. yeah. Mm. How about you guys? Nope. <laughs> a, I mean, maybe one of the stories hit close to home, and maybe there was a scene that shows a bit of it, and then it just got cut. Mm-hmm. But or maybe it just was never in the script. Yeah. But I mean, I understand where the confusion could come from, and where it would have maybe been cleared up if he had, you know, acknowledged something and yeah. related to it, and then you could kind of see why he yeah. would soften up so quickly. Because I think, I guess, the police, the chief police officer is playing the role of the audience in the sense that Jamal's telling his story to him, mm-hmm. but I actually to the audience as well. Far. So I think at this point, it's quite believable that after like hearing all the stories that Jamal had to tell, he would soften up a bit and be like, yeah, fair enough. You yeah. Had a yeah. shitty life, you know. I just so. feel, yeah, for me, I either needed him at the very beginning to be slightly less of an asshole. Again, right. it was just turned up too much for me. Um, or yeah, like what you're saying, Alison, in terms of a photo on his desk that he looks at at one yeah. point when he's telling mm. one of the stories, and you can see, oh, he's connecting to this for some whatever reason, you know, or whatever it would be. Um, so I just kind of lose that incentive for the police inspector to do such a U-turn. Well, yeah, but I think it's it's once he does see the correlation, and then he he understands Jamal because him inter- their interaction is. It's not Jamal being cocky. It's not him being overly intelligent. It's not him. He's just being ardent. And yeah. even he asks him a question where he's like, why would you? Or he said something like, why do you always tell the truth or something? And he's like, if someone asks me a question, I answer it. And like that, it's just because that's who his character was. And it becomes so evident so quickly to him. Yeah, but I just don't believe. I do because that's how they portray him for the rest of the movie. But the police inspector right. at the beginning would not give a shit. And a police inspector at the beginning, like if you if you admitted to murder which he does and then he points out you just admitted to murder when well, i'm accusing you of his fraud well he didn't murder mm. it his brother did no but he the police inspector phrased it like that as and right. you were involved and mm. he's like you just admitted to murder it's his actual line so he takes it that way the police inspector at the beginning there's no fucking way he would let you get away with admitting to murder and particularly of a huge crime boss you know that was like a big deal and probably like, had backhand i will stay at home and... all day today <laughs> <laughs> took care of all my work um, but anyway, he does manage to convince him because it is all bizarrely plausible and he allows him back on the show and Haved's, I'm just saying words now, <laughs> safe house, Latika sees Jamal on the news and Salim, in an effort to make amends for his past behavior, gives Latika his mobile phone and car keys and asks her to forgive him and go on to Jamal. Uh, she is reluctant out of fear, but agrees and escapes. Salim fills a bathtub with money and sits in it. With a Yay. gun. With a gun in one of <laughs> the weirdest <laughs> stage sort of suicide standoff things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, awaiting for Haved and his men as they realize that they let Attica free. And they only realize because, of course, um, our hero uses his last lifeline on his last question, which is to do with three musketeers. And he laughs because he never actually knew Figured what out. the third mm-hmm. name was. Mm-hmm. Which apparently I didn't either because I thought it was D'Artagnan. What? Well, D'Artagnan's the fourth exactly. musketeer. The fourth musketeer. Okay. Which technically, that. that question could have been answered by either of those because he's he's he could be the third the fourth, musketeer. But if he was the fourth oh. joining. Yeah, but really they didn't ask you in what succession that they joined. But mm. he didn't 
Did D'Artagnan become a musketeer in the end? Or he, he, he just he does in the Musker Hounds. D'Artagnan <laughs> and the God, Three Musker Hounds, the, the 80s book. cartoon series with dogs. Okay. In the in the old films that I've seen, he went he was around with them and they called them the Musketeers. But right. then they just called them the Four Musketeers. Uh, but is he in the novel? I can't remember. Yeah. That's true. Maybe just in Oh, maybe it was a sequel. Right Dumas's a novel. novel. Yeah. He's not technically a musketeer. In the four musketeers. Anyway, I'm presuming they did their research. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just look them up and all the questions are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no one noticed. Um, it felt like such an obvious like question for... Well, and then he laughs when it, they ask it, but I was like, you could have been laughing at like 90% of these if you were like, oh, that's so weird. Oh, that one time. We're talking about musketeers. You. Yeah, you could be like, <laughs> oh, I know about Rob because he was talking about how my mom died. <laughs> this is a funny it's story. Wait till the end, it gets funny. But he is laughing because it's the one that, yeah, he's like, this is the I most know. prevalent in his life. And yet he's and never bothered to answer. even look at it kind of thing. That's right. true. Um, and it's directly tied to her. And he rings his brother, but his brother is, of course, given Letica the phone. So then she has to run back for it when she realizes no one's picking up. And then that's, yeah, that's when um, her husband, I don't know what he is, but the crime boss who's basically keeping her, uh, realizes and goes in and finds Salim and kills. Pretty sure he didn't marry her. No, I don't know. He didn't look like the marrying type, to be honest. I don't know. Um, Yep. The bathtub full of money death scene for his brother, which looked very awkward to me. I didn't, it, yeah. I quite like the shots with the mirrors and stuff, but yeah, yeah. it was a very um, I don't, contrived. I, he just like puts it all in and then sits in it. I don't know what he's thinking about. I don't know yeah. why. He just why. wants to be around with his money. He knows he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, you know what will piss this guy logical. off if I lay yeah. in his money and then kill him. <laughs> yeah, but blood. that's what was important <laughs> But it's just him. like, it's getting his blood on his money. And it was just another mm. thing the film's like, it's just a little too literal I for agree. me. I agree. Right. But, but there was a lot of literal yeah. in this, so that it didn't surprise me. Yep. Um, also, why so didn't the guys shoot him? Like, if they're, if your boss is dead... Well, they don't even ask him it's anything. Like, like, we know. They hear her on the TV, yeah. and then he realizes she's not in the house, and then he presumes maybe. Yeah, but as soon as they come in, he shoots it. the boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. So if he had, if he just played cool, man, you maybe would have been. He all was right. not yeah. that character, though. <laughs> 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 he was not. Yeah, he could have left with Latica. That's so. true. Yeah. Yep. He could have. So here's okay. So now we get to the ending. Um, they talk on the phone. He checks that she's safe. Well, yeah, but if he'd left he with her, question. not to interrupt you, but Sorry. then they, he would have chased <laughs> his brother for the rest of their lives. True. And I think yeah. it was his way of being like, I'm setting you both free. Oh, yeah. Like, you're now yeah. free yeah. of all he, of he realizes he's been the anchor yeah. around his yeah. brother's feet yeah. the whole time. And Can I also um, mention that Salim's last word was um, God's great, which I assume is like um, initial R. I mean, right. in Arabic. So that's a very yeah. Muslim thing. But then... When we first see when the brothers get reunited, like early on, mm-hmm. um, he says um, before um, uh, Salim goes out to do the baddies' deed, he says, uh, "Oh Lord, forgive me for I have sinned," which is a very Christian. Yeah, it's very Catholic. So yeah. I was wondering, yeah, the whole religious where they're sitting. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, anyway. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. All I, all I know is here it says an Indian Muslim. 
um, at the beginning of the Wikipedia, but I don't know how accurate that is. But yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. Cool. I was interested by that as well. Because, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a very Catholic prayer. Mm. But he but was doing know. that as he was doing yeah. his, like, Muslim prayer, right. kneeling on the carpet thing. So right, okay. it's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did find that scene kind of... That was the most interesting scene with his brother for me, is him praying for forgiveness Goodness. for the sins he's doing just before he goes and kills mm-hmm. people. Right. Interesting. That's really the only time that you see any level to his brother besides, yeah. you know, yeah. greed. Yeah. Because he just realizes that, like, because of the greed and the choices that he's made, he is in this place and he'll mm. never get out of it and there's no hope for him mm. for any other sort of life. Mm. So well, it's like you were saying, like his brother is like this cartoon version of right. what so many Westerners rightly or wrongly yeah. fear impoverished Indian people that are going to run into are going to be like, which right. is just driven purely mm. by money and greed and will do anything and con anyone. And, you know, yeah. and, and mm. that's partly yeah again part of my problem with some of the characters in this film is like, i don't know how accurate and how non-accurate they are but mm. i do find them a little bit too one-tone in yeah. who they are i mean yeah maybe that whole catholic prayer was to show that he's like deep down he doesn't want to do these things and he's trying to find any like yeah it's just the only thing yeah. he's good at basically yeah. right, I because yeah. i feel he's a guy who tries he just tries anything and then he found something that people accepted him for he was like mm. well this is what i'm good at yeah, clearly um but yeah, so he, he talks to Ladika on the phone, makes sure she's safe, gives her the four multiple questions. Um, she says she doesn't know. Dumb. This was the <laughs> part of the game that I was... Like, we talked, we touched on it earlier about why would you be able to take breaks after seeing a question before answering mm-hmm. it. For this, I would assume if you have a lifeline, you tell them who the lifeline is ahead of time. They mm-hmm. have them in a room. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You're they not near computers. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know... Yeah. Oh, so-and-so's going to call you and you're mm-hmm. going to answer and that try and Yeah, they'd out. ring up at the beginning right. of recording to say, we're recording, like, you know, they make sure you're there, stay by your phone. Yeah. Absolutely. Very true. Um, but nope, don't and do he that. He is more <laughs> renegade, man. Yeah, play fast right. and loose. Fast and loose. <laughs> uh, um, yes, so uh, she doesn't know. So here's, actually, I'm going to get into my feelings about it in a minute. But then the host turns to him and says, Jamal, you are truly on your own now. Um, and he decides to gamble for it and says, A, um, Aramis, just for the sake of it. Um, it turns out to be the right answer. He wins the grand prize. Um, $300,000. <laughs> what? Uh, and then he immediately goes uh, to meet Latika on the platform at the railway station, because, of course, that's where she'll be waiting for him. They make out, they kissy kissy, freeze frame. Mm-hmm. And dancing, then it says dancing. here they dance energetically to the song Yai Ho. <laughs> yep. Not enough energy. <laughs> like, I feel they do dance fairly energetically, yeah. but it doesn't seem to work with the song. To me, it looks no. like they didn't have the song when they did the dancey yeah. dancey. No, they looked yeah. really awkward dancing that. Trying Someone to be was just sitting there going, five, six, yeah. seven, <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> because I, I'm not, a, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'm not a Bollywood fan. I've watched maybe four Bollywood films. I've seen somewhere artistically I can appreciate them for sure. Mm-hmm. can certainly artist- appreciate the production values. And there's been one I saw which was actually beautifully shot and quite sad. Still had to have the songs. I don't really enjoy musicals anyway. So I really didn't enjoy that. I don't like that style of music. So it's never jive for me. But I can appreciate, you know, the explosiveness of it. Mm-hmm. For me, and I think you guys seem to be on the other side of this, but for me, they're dancing at the end. And that song just doesn't encapsulate what I feel is great about Bollywood but everyone else went fucking crazy for this ending I remember really yeah oh I remember the song being a big hit but I can't yeah. remember people like 
talking about the well, it's one of the things like i remember critics loving like it also ends mm. with a big celebration of bollywood and stuff and it allows itself to like pay an homage to those roots mm. which i don't feel it does I mean, they don't no. it it's weird because in school all of the bollywood films we saw were like musicals throughout the whole thing mm. and this yeah. is not that no. Yeah. It's just at the very, very end, all of a sudden you yeah. have, which I think they play the song in the beginning. I don't I think know. they do a bit of it, like a little hint of it. Right yeah. at the very, very beginning right. of the whole song. But yeah, it's mm. it's kind of random, but then I guess it's also like, well, we should acknowledge this. Yeah, no, for me, like I, I didn't like it when I first watched it and I didn't like it this time around either because it felt a bit like... Because it's not a it's not a Bollywood film, you yeah. Know? It's it's not a Bollywood film, so yeah. why why do it at the end? You know, it was a bit like, oh yeah, it's it's a film about Indian people, so, so we, we should like, we better put this. It's in. written exactly. from a writer from Great It'll Britain. Be if we don't, um, I think actually the book is even from a writer. Actually, I should check that out. It's a bit like you know making a Japanese film, and therefore at the end they should like all have like samurais. Yeah, kind of thing. It felt a bit like <laughs> just too because yes, there's Japanese yeah. people in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that does take us on quickly to before we do uh, wrap up because I have some thoughts about the end but uh, the music of the film because Danny Boyle loves his music and yep. in all the interviews I read with him he said he's always quite awkward about stuff and he was pretty numb it was interesting reading the interviews with him straight away after the film came out and they got all the nominations he was saying he just felt very very numb it's been like a very crazy sort of ride making this film and it seemed to be the most joyous and exhausting thing he'd, he's had to do it took mm -hmm. them 14 months to get permission to shoot the vertical shots into the slum that oh. they had and he said by the time they got permission they'd already stolen them with an EOS <laughs> an EOS <laughs> camera with like a ca little Canon DSLR thing yeah. um, and they said they shot just like 11 to 12 frames and then merged them in a computer to make it look like film when it wasn't wow. essentially um, but yeah he said the one thing he was proud of as always was his music he said he's always very proud of the music in his it films hilarious little Indian kids like knocked a drone down with rocks every time <laughs> and just kept <laughs> scrapping it <laughs> <laughs> so it was also great because they got to they did a, um, a bunch uh, not in India but once they got there they had their, their Bollywood team and they they never sh they don't shoot in the slums so they said it was very strange for them and they were all quite uncomfortable with them being in those places and shooting running through the streets with the kids and stuff right. um, and they got to do a lot of stuff no one had got to do before mm. but he said the bureaucracy that had been left from when England had colonized India had left this mess that was made oh. it so hard to shoot films <laughs> that right. it was a nightmare well I'm uh, glad that you guys got your tikka masala out of it <laughs> <laughs> hope you're happy yeah, it was worth it it was delicious um <laughs> Yeah, the music in this film, people love the music in this movie. A lot of people, um, this is the one, maybe train spotting in this were the two soundtracks that I know people resonate with a lot. Mm -hmm. I always loved Danny Ball's soundtracks. Uh, this was the one where I stopped listening. <laughs> yeah, the only song you put on your soundtrack is my least favorite one. Yep. The Which I like that song. The MIA song. If the whole song were in that accent, I would love it. It is when I sing it, baby. Yeah, I forgot that there was like two. It was a two MIA songs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's O, Saya, and then there's that one. Whatever yeah. that one's called, Paper Planes. Paper that Planes. Yeah. yeah. That one you can run to. I've run to that. True. Before. True. Um, yeah. That was so much yeah. slower. Yeah, you feel like a gangster, and it has yeah. like a beat, like your feet <laughs> hit swagger. down right on the beat. It's got a yeah. gun being cocked in it. And beat. you're on the treadmill, and you're like, it's <laughs> 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 great. Yeah. There was a, a, a the cynical part of me was thinking, yeah, like yeah, a like MIA was like pretty big at the time, mm -hmm. uh, but B, you know, she's Sri Lankan, 
I think, isn't she? Oh, okay. So I was a bit like, oh. is it because she's brown? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very cynical. Yeah, sorry. I haven't. Um, yeah, I don't really know him like, at all. I'll be honest. It's the only I song that I know him of. Um, but yeah, no. I, I like that song, but otherwise, the soundtrack is completely appropriate for the film. But it doesn't do it for me outside of the film, personally. You guys, you guys listen to this one. I know you listen to Sunshine a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really listen to. I mean, I listen to like, you know, Paper Planes and stuff, but not because of. This not film, because of Slumdog. Okay. I listen, I like the energy of it, and it definitely works for the film. I listen to music on my own because I like to sing along to it. Okay. So the, which, with Jai Ho, I know you and I were both saying you like to run to mm-hmm. it. I think it's a fun song. But the song that I would listen to and dance to with my sisters was the one that had the Pussycat Dolls also singing with the original guy. Okay. So f- for me, it was fun because we would sing along to it. Because so that's not I in the movie, then, no. is it? The mm-hmm. Pussycat Dolls? No. Nope. Okay. But it's on the official soundtrack right. if you buy it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, because I was going to say, when it got to the end one, I know you, I remembered you saying you sing along to it. I was like, how do you sing along to it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing to yeah, sing along to. I don't understand. My third language. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I have not a, well, yeah, I have a problem with the ending of the movie and I have something which yeah. I would much mm-hmm. prefer. Um, how do you guys feel about the ending? How it all resolves, other than the dancing, taking that out. Let's pretend the dancing is Before in the their head. Dancing. Yeah. Well, the, the last line is "kiss me," and they kiss, <laughs> and that's the Say end. Say that in a more angry voice. <laughs> I love you're raising your glasses like a teacher looking well. at a bad school kid. I don't know. It's just yeah. It just felt so corny, and I yeah, I, I don't like that end bit yeah. at all. But see. The corniness is fine for me. And I didn't remember... I remember it obviously ending with the two of them and then the dancing. But I didn't remember if he got the answer right or not. Mm-hmm. And so that was the part that bothered me the most. Just because if you're going to be corny, totally fine, be corny. The whole reason he got on the show is because he loves this girl and he wants this... That was his way of getting her attention again because he knows that she watches it. So I really wanted it to... Like, be made a point of him even on air saying, I don't care. I'm not here for the money. I'm here because the girl we just spoke to on the phone. I wanted her to see me. And I wanted the answer to be wrong. But then he still gets it right. You wanted the love actually ending. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Because if he had said... Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. no. I was just going to be repetitive. Please. (laughs) No, I, I actually agree with you. Um... And, like, I don't really care about the whole, like, professing your love on TV sort of thing, but more, like, that he gets it wrong and then to see if she still shows up. You know, it's this whole, like, because the whole film is circulated around money. Money Mm -hmm. and family, essentially, or, like, these ties that last throughout your life. And so that, I think, would have been a more iconic ending for me where it was... You know, because then it would have meant really something to see him like through the people passing and the trains and the chaos and then to actually see her standing there. Because at first he sees her, but then he doesn't see her and he doesn't know if it's really her. And she's got like the veil over Mm -hmm. and it would have been a more, I think, penetrable ending if it would have been, you know, like not knowing if she's actually going to show up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because, of course, even if that girl doesn't really care about it because you never really see if she loves him or not like yeah. you just see her being in shitty situations and he saves her or like he's the hope that will save her and the whole time i was like this poor girl like what if she's just like 
I'm with this guy because he has I like older men who love some money. He's a nice guy, but like I don't really care like that about him. Like I just want to be friends, but I can't put him in the friend zone now because like gangsters kidnap me twice now, and this kid has saved me, and he's made it obvious that we can't just be friends and. That I like made me more interested the whole time. So I was like, this poor girl is like forced into this because you never yeah. know if she, she actually cares about him. She's purely a way. dangling carrot for yeah. the entire mm-hmm. narrative of the film. Like she yeah. does nothing herself at any point. Yeah. Like she's other than be a pretty face. She needs yeah. his brother to even push her. And I'm not saying yeah. this from a feminist slant with the film or anything, but just as a character, she's she's pretty useless, and yeah. she needs mm-hmm. his brother even to push her out of right. the house. You know, to like have the guts to do anything. Um, yeah, she's constantly being yeah. rescued. She never shows anything about him that she loves him. Doesn't even give him something. He thinks she'd give him like a pendant or something, or no. like just something to show. Yeah. Oh, I've got mm. some acumen, and no, nothing. No, yeah. Um, I feel kind of similar to you, Katie. I feel very similar to you, Alison, albeit without part of the saying on TV. I love this guy. <laughs> I don't care about the money. Um, yeah, but I'm kind of happy that we're sort of on the same page. I don't comprehend how they give it this ending because for me yeah like you say it's all been about money 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 and it's all been showing that he doesn't give a shit about money money or money um and that's all about this girl and when he finally gets her and she picks up the phone and it's such a lovely moment and she has to run back and like it's such a crowd pleasing moment and then they start talking on the phone and then he's like so the question was, <laughs> is it A, this, B, that? And I'm like, you've got 30 seconds on the phone with this girl that you've been looking for. You know she's probably in grave danger. Yeah. It's like, for me, the ending is they just start talking on the phone. Right. Mm. And they talk for that entire time. And the guy's like, are you not going to ask the question? Mm. And he doesn't give a shit. And he keeps talking to her. And they then get cut off halfway through. And he just stands up. And the guy starts doing the process of finding out. And he just walks off right, like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And as he walks off, it comes up that his question was wrong. And he loses all of the money. And the ending could still be the same. He meets her. And I don't care yeah. him saying, you know, let's kiss or whatever. Whatever. Be as cheesy as you want then. Because you shouldn't get everything. He shouldn't. I there agree. should be sacrifice. And it's not important to him clearly anyway. And then they, even when he goes to the place, like, we've just shown... What's a ridiculous amount of people crowding everywhere to watch this TV show, mm. which I'd love to believe anything in the world would cause well, that much resonance. Well, then he gets resonance. recognized in the car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and nobody is there at the end. Yeah, nobody true. notices him true. running to go I and meet agree. her on the yeah. train station, which is now miraculously empty as yeah. well, pretty much. Like, there's very few but people. But then crowded yeah. again in the next show. Yeah, it's yeah. just... Well, I they needed people for the flash mob. Yeah. True, true. Um, other than when yeah. they go to the wides and the dance and there's well, no one yeah. there. Yeah. Them, like, is it all in their heads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I also have, like, problems where, like, with films where the lovers, like, lives happily ever after and runs into the distance while, like, one of their family member died, just died a tragic death, mm-hmm. like, in true romance, like, mm-hmm. as well. Like, I want to see their reaction to that. You know, tragedy. <laughs> Someone yeah. at the end just come. Your brother just died. Yeah. Like, <gasps> yeah. The oh, end. yeah. The very last line of the film, like they kiss. He's like, "So where's my bro?" He also, oh for me as well, a little bit too much. I mean, it's done beautifully, but like I say, I think the way he portrays everything is beautiful in this film. But it's just with a little too much. And he kisses her scar, and then we get the scene where she got her scar, but in reverse mm-hmm. to really hammer home. Oh, he's taking that pain away from her. See, back I, wanted I wanted when she left his brother for him to kiss the scar as like I'm sorry for doing all this to you and then the next scene is Jamal kissing it and be like <laughs> got it first again bro <laughs> like, why do I taste sloppy seconds <laughs> twice 
yeah. but I, yeah i can live with all that stuff it's just him him winning the money him using that phone call to like talk to her about the stupid okay. question mm. i like that no, better don't get it at all well and then obviously she's watching it so she heard the question yeah and she could have just i would at least if he had started asking the question she would have mm. been like i don't know like cut him off mm. and then because that could have been an opportunity for her to like proclaim love mm-hmm. or whatever at least interest yeah <laughs> um and they don't even show him doing anything with the money it's like well if you're going to give no. him the money then you should show him he's doing wearing something the same with it. crappy clothes mm-hmm. didn't even bring no, like flowers going to the slums <laughs> in the end credits or something giving yeah. it to her, like something like just something yeah, yeah. but um, that, that i guess the you know the what the one of the re- reason why he asked her the question anyway was because she was the third musketeer yeah and she's like that. i don't know either yeah. <laughs> none of us really gave yeah. a shit i just went along with it like, i did so many other things like, well done you guys read a book and you said you didn't read that book you <laughs> read the, for the the title of a book <laughs> said yeah. that's us yeah. <laughs> don't Aww. even know what happened to those guys do you <laughs> So there you go, Slum <laughs> Dog Millionaire. Um, all right. So, um, and I don't really, I'm interested because we have genuinely, this has been a long one, this podcast, mm. and we've genuinely been able to get through it. And I don't know where people are going to go with this, like who's liking it and who's not liking it. We've managed to keep our cards fairly well hidden for the most part. I'm going to start with our guest today. C'est moi. Katie Watson. <laughs> so I know you haven't been here for this series no but this is where you can say just overall feelings if you liked it if you didn't and then you score it out of 10 on a 20 point scale oh man we don't really get you contrasting with the other films so maybe say like you know from the ones you've seen if you know whereabouts you put it oh um for the danny boyle films i can show my mother (laughs) (laughs) i give it like an eight because she'd love it probably because she loved who wants to be a millionaire loved it um but for myself personally, I wouldn't probably watch it again unless other, I don't know, unless somebody really wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like so your I'd, mom? I guess. <laughs> Even then. Um, I'd probably give it like a five. Really? Wow. Point five. Wow. Something okay. like that. Just because like it's a bleh film for me. It like it didn't really resonate. The kids were really cute. The young Jamal is my favorite character. Mm. I think he's, yeah, he's hilarious cute. to me, and I could just watch a whole film about him. Um, but yeah, I just didn't. It was a little p- too predictable, okay. a little cliched. Okay. So. Fair I'm enough. I'm heartless. Okay. <laughs> um, Haruka. Me. Let's um, leave you till last. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you were like the big hater coming on board this beforehand. So Allison. Yes. Previously, the only Danny Boyle film you've seen. Previously, one you liked. Yep. Having warmed up now with all those other movies, how do you feel about it? I still like it. I definitely... I mean, I'm assuming I saw this when it came out. So, in 2008. Um, which I was either in middle school or my first year of high school. Blah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just saying pre-film school. Okay. So, now that I've finished school... You weren't critically I'm, judging it right. from that, yeah. So I'm starting. I have noticed things that bother me about it, and the biggest thing is, which you touched on, Katie, in the very beginning, is that it's pretty repetitive. Just with, oh, I know this answer because this happened. Let me tell you about it, and that happens for every single question, mm-hmm. which is my problem with the very end. Just because it's in screenwriting, they like drill into you, like don't, 
like using coincidences is such a crutch mm-hmm. you're not solving anything you're not being creative you can't just like oh this happens and all of a sudden everything's okay mm-hmm. so if mm-hmm. they had stopped using coincidences all the way at the end mm-hmm. it would still bother me but it would be more okay with me just because then it's like okay well you're not going to get lucky your entire life but right. at least you have the people you love well that is the thing isn't it because like the if the last one is a coincidence but then he doesn't know the answer which is like okay that's kind of great yeah if you'd got it fucking wrong yeah but no he just mm. still gets it right exactly like that's why i'm like well yeah yeah mm. it would have been so much better if it were wrong and he was still happy yeah but okay hmm. anyway score i would probably give it a six five Ooh. maybe mm-hmm. a seven that's pretty low for for somebody who likes it okay six <laughs> five seven I can't remember where that shrug. goes. There's I can't either. I meant to look through my notes and see what scores I had given. Okay, we'll rally them up. As we get close eight, towards the end, I'm going to bring them all together so we yeah. can start. I have them written down, but I don't have them all in this notebook. Okay. I have the other ones in my Okay, room. so about a seven, you think? Okay. 6.75. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Technically between 6.5 and 7. Um, all right, I'll, I'll go before you, Hurika, because okay. I'll leave you for last on this okay. one. Okay. Um, I actually, I think, so when I first saw this, I'm a, you know, I'm a bit, a bit like Kawika. I like to be, um, I like to go against the grain a lot and Danny mm-hmm. Boyle suddenly getting that big and getting all the Oscars and stuff. I went into it a bit snarky, to be honest. And I was a bit like, I don't want to like this movie because he's too fucking big now and blah, blah, blah. Um, so watching it now with more open arms and trying to be just more open to what the film is, it's like, it's a great film. Like, I really think it is. I think it's inc- really well made arguably his best made film to this point i think there's a lot going on in there um i really like the story of it i really don't like the script i really don't mm-hmm. like what the screenwriter did um which worries me a little bit because the screenwriter then did 127 hours um which is our next movie in this series which i remember liking so we'll see uh, but I like I like the story. I like the simplicity of the structure of it. I agree it gets repetitive. And if they'd done the ending different, which I don't know in the book, maybe it is different. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I would found it very satisfying. But with the ending I get, I don't. It pisses me off. I feel it ruins the whole message of the movie, really. I love Dev Patel, even though his character is a wash. I think his character is kind of useless in this film. He has nothing interesting going on with him, which is a shame when all of Danny Ball's movies, he does really interesting characters that have a lot of grit normally in them. Um, and, and even like the little kid in Millions, which was the most similar, at least he did stuff, you know? Like Dev doesn't mm. really do anything in this. But there's lots of beautiful locations. There's a whole culture that I'm not that familiar with, so I do find it interesting to watch and you know learn about. But I don't know how much to take at face value. Um, but I still, I just don't care. Like I still just don't really give a shit. Like mm-hmm. I love love stories, and that's why for me, like I say, it's 45 minutes before I get interested in this movie because sure it's pretty and interesting and fun. I mean, but once that love story kicks off i'm interested and then it kind of slips away and then it comes back and i'm interested but then she's not really doing anything so i'm less interested every time she comes back i'm kind of less interested in their story because he keeps seemingly forgetting about her and she keeps not doing anything to contact mm-hmm. him or try to reach out or anything so it's kind of like i should love it but for some reason i just don't give a shit i don't really know why but i don't mm-hmm. um so I, I like it more than i did the first time i saw it for sure um, I'm more forgiving towards it. I would still give it a pretty low score. Um, I'd give it, 
but that's the weird thing for me is a low score for the movie that well made is like 6.5 or something mm. so yeah i would maybe give it a 6.5 um or something like that because i think it's yeah a decent movie and mm. i completely get why people love it i do i can completely see why people love it it just doesn't do it for me mm -hmm. um yeah i'm i agree with you 100 percent like I remember when I first watched it in the cinema, I was really looking forward to it and I left the cinema feeling really disappointed because it, to me back then, it felt really and Danny Boyle because mm -hmm. what I loved about Danny Boyle back then was like how dark his films are and you know, the, like his endings are always quite like dark and sad, although like, you know, there are happy things and stuff. So it felt very, yeah. So that's why I was very disappointed um but watching it again now i can see all the you know the daniel ball style is still very strong in it from the colors to the dutch tilt to the yeah um the trains and the poop jokes and yeah it's still <laughs> a very yep. daniel ball film yeah like stylistically yeah um but yeah and i also remember when i watched it in a cinema i really liked the first half but then i really didn't like the last heart like, oh, interesting. where like it's all like grown-up stuff mm. yeah um and i still feel the same way like i was i'm i was really engaged when it was all about the kids and stuff but then as soon as like frida pinto comes into the picture i kind of lose i've lost the characters a bit okay um because i couldn't really see the young latica in the grown-up latica and stuff so it kind of felt a bit disjointed and a bit soulless um yeah so yeah i still feel felt like that watching it again now so i'd probably give it i would give the first half the childhood half an eight probably mm. and the grown-up bit six so okay. probably seven um in yeah, total in yeah so we're roughly the same place yeah. a little bit lower katie um yeah well it's weird for me because like looking at this now what i want from a Danny Boyle film is for him to go simple and have more fun with it, mm. which is exactly what happens with his next film, 127 Hours. Okay. Um, it's also weird because this film, to me, I had to look it up halfway through because to me it feels like, oh, is this based on a true story? Because that's how it feels. Like, it feels like it should be based on a true story mm. until it goes really crazy at the end. You're like, no, obviously this isn't based on <laughs> But from the opening, it does kind of feel that way. Which, again, with 127 Hours, it is. If you come back in a few days, that'll be the next show in our podcast katie you won't be with us i'm afraid where will i be i don't know where are you gonna be only la where LA. they make these damn things <laughs> not this one no not this one um thank you very much for listening to our show if you type in we are geeks on itunes you can subscribe to our podcast where you'll get these until we finish our danny boyle specials on march the 18th the day after Trainspotting 2 comes out in America uh, with the final show, Trainspotting 2. And then we'll have a wrap-up show as well. That'll be shortly after that. We also have our Friday 13th series that's just finishing that's now going into our Nightmare on Elm Street and that will take you all the way through that series and that's going to be followed, I believe, we're still discussing, but with the Halloween series. Um, and other than that, we still have our regular weekly t TV show. Nope, that's incorrect. <laughs> Podcast, which goes up every single Tuesday, simply called Geeks. Uh, where we talk through topical movie and game news. So if you like any of this stuff, but you want to hear stuff that's more relevant to your day-to-day -day life, that's where you'll get it. Um, they just did a couple of shows in LA. They're doing, Adrian's hosting an Oscars special this week, I believe. So we should have oh, that up as well. Way too many podcasts right now. I think we've got like six up a week at the moment on some weeks. So 
So enjoy that if you subscribe okay. to our feed. <laughs> if it's too many, then give us an email. Go over to wearetestlatewearetestlate.com and you can contact us, link out to all the social medias, give us any feedback you want. We can split things into different feeds if that's easier for you. Um, but please do subscribe. Please do share. It helps us out a lot. We do all of this for free. We are filmmakers based out of LA, based out of Tokyo, based out of London. Uh, we have our first feature film called Starfish, which is in post-production right now. And if you follow our YouTubes and our Twitters and all that stuff, you'll find out more information about that movie. Um, we're going to be doing a new Starfish Diaries where we talk about the fun of making <laughs> a movie. I had to change words in my head there to a more positive slant. <laughs> the fun of making movies. Sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've been your host, Mr. Al White, on all the social medias. Allison, where can people find you? Uh, I <laughs> most of it depends what time of day, oh. Al. <laughs> First, I wake up. Um, I am on Instagram as Ali Sue. Yes, you are. That's it. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, Haruka. Uh, Do I'm you remember Har yet? I think so. I'm Haruka Abe on Twitter and Facebook, and mm. I'm Ruka Haruka on Instagram. You're doing it. Yes. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't take the entire fucking series. I know. To and you have some annoyingly good Instagrams up right now, so people should oh, go check them thank out. You. Katie Watson. <laughs> no, nah, nope. well, Ali had one that she stole from me, but whatever. You do not <laughs> own all of the walls. <laughs> that was my wall. Do we want to get into this? Oh, shoulders. Look, doing the, yeah. I, hey, you did hey. elbows. Hey. I did shoulders. Hey. Ladies. Hey. I almost have a preschool song. Yeah, that's shoulders. <laughs> Watson, yes. where can people find photos of mostly delicious food and occasionally mm. a stupid dog? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an amazing Instagram. I don't know <laughs> why you say that with so sarcasm in your voice. That was not. I think it's great. Oh, it's at my dot period. Or wait, my dot what? period. <laughs> my dearest Watson, but there's a full stop between the words. Is it? So it's my oh, period, dearest period Watson. Yes. My dot dearest dot Watson. Yeah, what you said. There you go. Sounds better. <laughs> do you have a Twitter or anything? You know, I do, that? but I don't really get on Twitter. Okay. So, I mean, if somebody tweeted at me, I'd be like, and a year later, and I'd be like, what's up? <laughs> That's completely fair enough. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being a guest. We appreciate it. Anytime. Ladies, thank you very much for your opinions. I'm around. Bye. Ta ta. Bye bye. Bye. We don't do it as much on this one. We do it more oh. just on the Tuesday ones. But if yeah, you want, we do it at the end and the beginning. All right. Geeks! 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 Geeks. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well done, everybody.